We are in the midst of a fairly dramatic cultural and religious sea change in the country. And it's one, though, that has gone a little under the radar of most Americans. The numbers are substantial. America is changing, especially when it comes to religion. We had crossed this threshold just in the last 10 years that we had gone, demographically speaking, from being a majority white Christian country to being a minority white Christian country. So what are you thinking? Are you part of the change? My name is Kara from Boston. I'm still a Bible-believing Christian and have been for the past 20-plus years. The biggest change today from a decade ago is how I choose to describe myself to others. I avoid terms like evangelical and Baptist. Hi, this is Jane in Boston. I was brought up Catholic, and I still hold aspects of that theology, but being around people who identify as Christian makes me nervous. I just don't trust their judgment. And how about this listener from Portland, Oregon, who texted us, I began practicing Buddhism in 1998 as a college student. It's been a source of resilience for the 20 years that I followed it. And we got another message from Framingham, Massachusetts. Been an atheist for the past 30 years and don't see that changing. Hi, this is Pam Lindsay. I'm calling from Richardson, Texas. Unfortunately, it's unpopular to be a Christian these days, particularly ones who believe in the sanctity of life as the Bible teaches. It seems like we're supposed to be tolerant of all religions these days, unless you're a Christian. I'm Tanzina Vega. This is The Takeaway, and all this week we're talking about identity. Today, you guessed it, the spotlight is on religion. Robert P. Jones, who you heard at the top, is the CEO of the Public Religion Research Institute, a nonpartisan, nonprofit research organization, and he's the man with the data. The Institute's 2016 American Values Atlas was the single largest survey of American religious and denominational identity ever conducted, surveying more than 100,000 Americans from all 50 states. So what did they find? So to go back to 2008... 54% of the country was white and Christian. By our last election cycle in 2016, that number had dropped to 43%, and we have one more year of data after that, now from 2017, and it dropped another percentage point to 42%. So it's been dropping about a percentage point a year over the last decade, and we've moved from this majority white Christian nation to one that is no longer uh, a majority white Christian nation. What about black and brown Christian America? Yeah, you know, the story of how our religious landscape is shifting is fairly complex. Among African-American Christians, we see relative stability over this same period of time, making up about one in 10 Americans. And then we see this steady growth among Latino uh, Christians, both Catholic and Protestant uh, in the country over the same period of time. I mean, there's obviously another group of Americans who don't identify religiously at all. What do those numbers tell us? That's right. Uh, So one question is, where are all those white Christians going? (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. If if, if there's this decline. And the short answer is the other group in the landscape that is growing are the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated. And it's been really only um, in the last few decades that we can measure this. As late as the 1990s, the number of Americans who claim no religious affiliation was in the single digits. In our last survey, um, we are finding that it is a quarter of Americans who now claim no religious affiliation. And uh, one other clue as to what's going on, if you look at younger Americans, that is those under the age of 30, the number who claim no religious affiliation is 40 percent. 40 percent. Wow, that's pretty... um that's that's pretty stunning, actually. You know, it is stunning, and it, it's something quite new. People in their 20s are always a little bit less religiously affiliated than older Americans. They tend to be more mobile, and especially as people have um, delayed marriage and having kids. That historically has coincided with 
affiliating with a religious institution. So, for example, if you take the baby boomers and you put them back in their 20s, less than 15 percent of them are unaffiliated in their 20s. So that means that this generation is doing something quite different than we've seen other generations uh, doing. And so even if some percentage of those reaffiliated in their 30s as they have kids and settle down, this will still be the most religiously unaffiliated generation we've ever seen. Are those that remain in the faith sort of doubling down on their faith? You know, that's right. That's what we're seeing is we're seeing a shrinking of those numbers. And just to you know put a fine point on, on white evangelical Protestants um, who are the core of uh, uh, President Trump's base, if we go back two election cycles ago, they're nearly a quarter of the population, 23 percent of the population um, back in 2006 to 2008. Uh, but in our last survey, just among white evangelicals, they've dropped to 15 percent of the population. And they're losing mostly younger members um, who tend to be, for example, more liberal on LGBT rights, more behind climate change, uh, a number of things that the Republican Party has become associated with opposing. And so they're losing members on the younger side, which means that the, the core group that's left tends to be older and more conservative and, in a sense, tend to be also more politically conservative and, and really behind uh, President Trump. What about geographic differences? We often talk about the Bible Belt, for example. Is the Bible Belt still a Bible Belt? Well, you know, it is. Um, you know, there's only six states today. If we're talking about um, LGBT rights, this is one interesting way of thinking about this. There's only six states today where majorities oppose um, same-sex marriage, and they are they do tend to be concentrated in the South and the old in the old Bible Belt. Having said that, if you look at these demographic changes, and we're not just thinking about political attitudes, but demographic changes. One of the interesting things we can do, because we have data for all 50 states over time, is you can just go back just a few years and look at the differences state by state. And in every state, these demographic changes I'm talking about, um, about the decline of white Christians, the rise of uh, Latino Protestants, the rise of the unaffiliated, those same dynamics are at work in every state across the country. And you can, when you do like a heat map and you look at one 10 years ago and, and today, you can see not just in California and in New York or in big urban areas, but even in Iowa, Kansas, Mississippi, you see these same dynamics at work um, all across the country. We had a guest on uh, earlier this week talking about the increase in the Latino population in Kansas, for example. Uh, really, really interesting. I want to ask you about we're seeing a lot of the president's agenda right now is being shaped by the, his evangelical base, right? Is this shift that you're noting in less affiliated, uh, religiously affiliated Americans, do you think that's going to have any impact on our policies going forward? Well, we certainly are seeing it bleed over into even how our two political parties are composed. So, again, if you go back just – and it's very fast changes. That's the thing about this – all the changes I'm talking about are really changes that have moved very quickly just in a decade. And, and in terms of demographics, that's very fast. Usually demographic changes are kind of glacial things that you know take decades and decades. And we're seeing big changes just over one decade. So just another example, the two parties are kind of sorting themselves as these demographic changes are happening and getting further apart. And that's driving political polarization. So uh, the Republican Party, for example, is kind of doubling down and is increasingly becoming the party of white Christians uh, in the country. So 10 years ago, they were about, they were composed about 8 in 10 of white Christian Americans. Today, there's still uh, more than 7 in 10 white Christian Americans, even as the country is shifting. Democrats, on the other hand, uh, those who identify with the Democratic Party, 
are shifting with the country's composition. So 10 years ago, about half of Democrats uh, were white and Christian. Uh, today, only about three in 10 are white and Christian, and a quarter, nearly as many, are religiously unaffiliated. Now, just because someone doesn't identify with a specific faith, right, doesn't say, for example, I am a Catholic, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person isn't grounded in some sort of faith or spiritual belief system, correct? Only about a quarter of that group claims to be atheist or agnostic. And in fact, about one in eight say that they actually are still consider themselves a religious person, even though they're not formally affiliated with any tradition. And does that signal to you some sort of morality? You know, here's here's the interesting about the morality question. I, I think a lot of, you know, people who see, particularly religious people who see this uh, decline in religiosity, the rise in disaffiliation or being unaffiliated, are worried because they take the next step and link it to a decline of morality in the country. And historically, the, the U.S. has been a very, very religious country and has made that link. But when we ask people in surveys about uh, a question, for example, about whether or not um, you need to be religious in order to be moral, we're also seeing a generational break in that question. Like overwhelmingly seniors in the country link these two things very, very tightly and say, yes, uh, in order to be moral, you have to be religious. We, we had a, a survey question that we asked in 2011 where we asked about candidates' character. And the question said that whether a elected official could behave immorally in their private life and yet still carry out their duties and act morally in their public life. In 2011, only 30% of white evangelicals said this was possible, agreed with this statement. And that's what you would expect from a group that had branded itself as, quote-unquote, values voters, right, that, that were all about character. Uh, now, we asked this question again in 2016, and remarkably, 72% of evangelicals now agree with this statement, that, that you can build kind of a moral uh, wall between one's private life and one's public life. And, now, I want to I want to um, insert a, a little data yeah. point here too. In 2011, we had a black president. In 2016, we don't. And I'm wondering if that morality scale that you're talking about had anything to do with race. You know, I, I think that's right. And, and you know, one of the things that, as an observer of kind of the white evangelical you know movement over across President Obama's presidency, what was interesting about their reactions um, was that there was actually a bigger reaction in 2012 to President Obama's re-election than there even was to his uh, original election in, in 2008. And there was, I think, this sense that, okay, well, if he was elected once, that's sort of one thing, maybe it was a fluke, but this kind of, you know, handily re-elected thing, a two-term president where, you know, his legitimacy is kind of beyond question at that point. It was quite something. And you did see uh, reactions from people like Tony Perkins and the Family Research Council uh, and the kind of conservative Christian right sending out real missives that were very visceral, visceral and apocalyptic, really, even saying, um, pray for us that God will protect us from those enemies without and within who seek for America to be destroyed. That was the language in something right after Barack Obama was reelected in 2012. Now, so the, there's the, no question that race is playing playing a role here. And I, I feel like this is a bit where we get into the hypocrisy of of this um, this particular group in, in that we're talking about. I just cannot imagine if similar allegations had been lobbed against President Obama of infidelity of porn stars that the religious right in particular would have granted him a quote unquote mulligan. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, I think it's clear that white evangelicals have essentially traded, you know, their efforts at, at branding themselves as values voters and have become uh, what I was calling nostalgia voters. Right. So they let the values thing go by the wayside 
and they really uh, doubled down on a candidate that is at least promising them to turn back the clock to a time where they had more power and where the, the they felt like the country was more with them uh, than it is today. But that's a fairly desperate move, um, in, in my opinion. Now, really, what you see is white evangelicals being the champion of a basically a consequentialist ethic where the ends justify the means. Robert P. Jones, the author of The End of White Christian America, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.